Hello, I'm Gabby. Welcome to another bonus episode for season one of the My Possible Self podcast. We are doing a trilogy of episodes covering bullying and today we are looking at bullying in the workplace. Now, bullying can make working life miserable. You can lose all faith in yourself. You can feel ill, depressed and really challenging to motivate yourself to work. Bullying and harassment is behaviour that makes somebody feel intimidated or offended. Examples of bullying or harassment in the workplace include spreading malicious rumours, unfair treatment, picking on or regularly undermining someone, or denying them training or promotion opportunities. Bullying and harassment can happen face to face, it can happen by letter, by email, by phone, by video call. Now bullying itself is not against the law but harassment is so it's a really grey area that affects far too many people. It's also a highly sensitive area and can be really intimidating and scary to speak up or speak out. And that's why we decided to dedicate a full podcast episode covering bullying in the workplace. And our guest is Julie Dennis. She is Head of Diversity and Inclusion at ACAS. ACAS is the workplace expert for England, Wales and Scotland. ACAS gives employees and employers free impartial advice on workplace rights, rules and best practices. So, let's head on over to meet Julie and proceed with today's episode. Hi Julie, thanks for talking to us today. We're covering bullying in the workplace and that's why we reached out to you, Head of Diversity and Inclusion at ACAS because we thought you might be able to help us sort of shed some light into this topic. We're not here to prescribe, but we're here to kind of look into it and see what we can potentially do about it. And and also, I think sometimes it's so subtle, we might not even yeah. realise it's happening to us, but it is taking a toll on our mental health. Exactly. And I think also, if you've got poor mental health mm-hmm. at that moment in time, sometimes you may think it's you. It's all in your head. Yes. As we know, when you have got poor mental health, you do assume things sometimes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it can make, you know, it, it's about just letting people know, you know, sometimes it is about being able to take that step back, isn't it? And go, actually, no, I'm not imagining this. Yeah. This person's been pretty horrible to me at the minute. And we need to address it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, before we sort of get into that and, and break it down further, can we learn a little bit about you and also ACAS as well? So what I have learned from looking at the website is it's the workplace expert for England, Wales and Scotland, and it gives employers and employees free impartial advice on workplace rights, rules and best practices. Mm-hmm. So if you want to mind expanding a bit on that, please. Does it cover like all work like categories? Yeah, so you're right, Gabby. So ACAS, we are we're an advisory service. So we give free and impartial advice to both employers and employees on all workplace issues. So that could be down to as simple as I've not been paid correctly from my employer. Mm. right through to really serious things around discrimination harassment and bullying where you know we may get employees phoning us up saying phoning our helpline and our helpline is free to people as well so people will phone us up and say I'm experiencing this I'm not sure what to do and our helpline advisors will guide them so they'll like say well have you tried to resolve this informally have you spoke to your line manager etc etc and and just get a feel of what steps that individual has tried to do or may not have tried to do because what we know it ACAS now when it comes to harassment and bullying trying to deal with it as early on and as informally as possible is better for everybody involved because formal processes in themselves can be quite stressful for people can be quite damaging in relation to mental health 
So trying to deal with it informally is a better process. But we also know that, you know, sometimes people may say and do things at work that they may not be aware are having that negative impact on an individual. So, you know, the ideal solution is that, you know, somebody may have done or some, said something to you at work, that you can have a informal conversation with them and that person goes, oh, I'm really sorry, I, I didn't realise. Now, that's textbook and we know that the world doesn't always work like that because, first of all, it's very hard if you are being made to feel uncomfortable or harassed or intimidated. It's very hard for you to then pluck the courage up to challenge that person. So although the textbook answer is try and talk to the individual, in most cases that doesn't happen. So then that's where someone else could come along. So be that your line manager or be that in some organisations they may have uh, fair treatment advisors or harassment and bullying advisors or even mental health first aiders. Mm. We know, you know, for example, our colleagues in the NHS, they have a process called uh, Freedom to Speak Out Guardians. And again, their role is for staff to go and speak to them if they've got any issues around the way they've been treated. And then again, they try to support and help that individual find a resolution. So there are staff that volunteer to be that point of contact. You know, staff can go and talk to them about any issue that they may have faced, be that from a colleague, be that from a patient. You know, we know that sometimes people cannot be very nice, can they? When yeah, they, yeah, definitely. But again, other organisations, so ACAS, we have the fair treatment advisors and we also train organisations. I, I read this statistic and it is from 2017. Uh, the Trades Union Congress found that it was a staggering 29% of people have been bullied at work in the UK with even more reporting to have witnessed bullying occur. I'm also curious as well, because obviously we've had a pandemic since then, and I wonder, because situations have gotten more stressful, has that sort of put fuel to the fire in terms of like people are stressed and probably a bit scared and as, as that kind of may... Because, you know, it's a minefield, isn't it? The word, And even the, using the word bullying, is it somebody that's like shouldn't be taking it out on their colleagues but is and perhaps unintentionally is coming across as quite dominant and and aggressive versus somebody that actually does need addressing or whatever is it still rife basically i suppose is what i'm getting at so yeah unfortunately it is, it is still it? out yeah. there i mean again acas we've done a lot of research in this area so back in 2015 we did a research paper in that paper, we found that we were consistently re receiving around 20,000 calls to our helpline uh, year on year around bullying harassment. And that's about around one call in every eight minutes to our helpline is around that subject. Um, when we look more recently, you know, calls to our helpline around that subject did drop significantly. So to around 10,000 a year between April 2020 and March 2021. We've seen a bit of an increase during the, you know, 21-22, but that's probably because, you know, we had people who were on furlough or they were not working. However, what we do know is that ACAS guidance for employees on this subject, that guidance is between 15 and 25,000 visits a month during 2021. We've had a 30% increase in visits between 2021 and 2022. Mm. Also, when we look at the cases that we receive through our conciliation service, so as well as our helpline, ACAS has a conciliation service. So if anyone is in dispute with their employer and they want to take that further from a legal stance, they have to come through ACAS first to try and uh, resolve that issue and we'll try and mediate between the employee and the employer and normally those cases are linked to discrimination and a protected characteristic be that gender disability race etc you know so we we see that coming through uh, our cases as well so you know if we look uh, more recently you know we we've seen where for example we've received a complaint around the lack of investigation into bullying for someone who raised their complaint informally about a bully 
uh, and unfortunately that organisation decided not to look into that complaint, but then they investigated the individual for performance management, which is not, you know, I mean, obviously we only have one side of the story, yeah. but, you know, one of the things that we find at ACAS is sometimes employers don't undertake a proper investigation. And that might be because of who the individual is. You know, you could have an individual in an organisation that is bringing, you know, a lot of good work in or is working really well, but actually the way they behave is quite toxic. And therefore, some companies find it really difficult. And how do we tackle this high performer? Yeah. Because, you know, they're doing good things for the business, but actually what they're not recognising is, but the the damage they're leaving behind or the people Mm. that are exiting their organisation because of this person's performance or behaviour is just as important as them bringing the money in, if that makes sense. Mm. I think if we look at, you know, more recent stuff, we did see uh, an increase in bullying and harassment during the pandemic. And again, you, 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 know, you, you noted the TUC research that they did research in June 2021 as well that, you know, that found that the pandemic had had a negative impact on disabled workers. And one in three disabled workers said that they were being treated unfairly during the pandemic. And one in 13 said they were being subjected to bullying and or harassment which included being ignored or singled out or uh, being monitored excessively at work. So, yeah, unfortunately, the pandemic has created this environment. But I think, you know, sometimes that's when everybody's under stress. So then people may behave differently when we look at, you know, has homeworking had an impact? And at ACAS, we know bullying harassment can still happen when you're working from home. Mm. And that can happen through social media, emails, phone calls or online chat. And again, examples of bullying that we've seen uh, from remote working is inappropriately stopping someone from coming to meetings or activities or putting humiliating, offensive or threatening comments or photos in social media, putting someone down in a meeting revealing sensitive personal information so yeah cyber harassment and sexual harassment we've seen an increase in that and again research that the Fawcett Society did last year saw that you know almost a quarter of women have been sexually harassed during the pandemic and they're saying it's escalated and also ethnic minority women are reporting higher rates of uh, sexual harassment than white workers. Do you think it it's higher rates or is it just more people are feeling comfortable to speak out now because i think of like the the domino effect of the me too movement for example and like i think about five years ago ten years ago where you just turned up i mean i started my career off as a dancer i was like a showgirl and so in 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 for had you know time in ibiza where I would constantly get groped and you and I and I actually didn't even in in my sort of naive early 20s head I just thought that's part of the gig because I was wearing skimpy attire and I was dancing and 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 you know I just thought that was the norm but it was only yeah. through like education throughout the years when you realize well no actually it's it that's not right and you shouldn't no. be allowed to touch me anywhere do you, exactly. and I wonder you know with the reported cases is it more now people are feeling like they can speak up because in the past you know like catcalling and heckling from walking past building sites that happens so much less than it did because now the pennies dropped I think that it's not cool and, and you know you can be ha- held accountable for it whereas you know a few years ago it was a lot more seen and done i think yeah i mean i mean first of all it is not acceptable for anybody in whatever work environment to be touched inappropriately regardless what you're wearing you should be able to male or female you should be able to wear what you choose to wear uh and not to be sexually harassed or groped or whatever in 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 your role so you know let's make that absolutely clear that that is not acceptable. But we also understand that it is really difficult. We also know when we look at sexual harassment, for example, it does tend to be younger women that are sexually harassed because they, one, probably work in those environments where it's easier to do it. So they will work in 
the entertainment business or in the leisure industry, you know, so women working in bars where people have had too much to drink and then they get a bit too friendly. Also, when you look at younger workers, they're probably in unsecure work. So they're probably less likely to speak up because they're worried they're going to lose their job. Yeah. So we know that. Uh, but yes, I, th- I think you're right, Gabby. The Me Too movement has really shone a light on what has been happening for centuries, really. But now, you know, women feel more empowered to have a voice and to actually say, this is not acceptable. But I also think that men are becoming more aware of how they should behave and are taking more responsibility to to act in that way that, you know, is not offensive, is not creating that intimidating and hostile environment for women. Mm. I think what COVID did or what the pandemic did was it highlighted that I think, you know, not just in the UK, but on across the, the world, we, we were lulled into this false sense that everything was all good, you know, that, that women could go into the workplace and they were getting these high positions and they were able to do everything, you know, be fantastic mothers and wives and sisters and all that lot and have a high-flying career and all that kind of stuff. But actually, the reality was they were having to juggle a lot. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, when we look at you know, individuals who have disabilities or individuals from different ethnic backgrounds, you know, we were seeing more visibility, but actually if we scratched the surface, there was a lot of inequality, but it was a smokescreen where people thought, well, you know, we've got organisations, we can see people in senior roles. What the pandemic did, what I think is actually just highlight that inequality was still around. Uh, and the pandemic has just made people more aware because again we saw when you know for example when schools closed that it was still women who were more likely to be expected to be taking that time out to do the homeschooling rather than the men you know we, we saw in you know certain professions that ethnic minority staff were you know it was seen that they would be more likely uh, to be working in more hazardous situations so again I know I in the past I've had conversations with a colleague of mine uh, that works for the Royal College of Nursing and she was telling me that what they were finding earlier on in the NHS that you know ethnic minority nurses were more likely to be agency nurses so then they were more likely to be being put on COVID wards than the full-time staff they were more likely not to be given correct PPE than the more full-time staff Uh, and again they're all those little things that are inappropriate behavior in the workplace you know nobody regardless of what their status is in in the workplace should be exposed to greater risk than somebody else just because they're not seen as a, a permanent member of staff or just because of their ethnicity or their gender or their disability. Right. So then when somebody comes to you, to to ACAS, what kind of advice can you give in that circumstance if we if we take like an NHS agency worker who's in, you know, from an ethnic minority um, background? Like what what can you do? I mean, it's such a sensitive subject, isn't it? Yeah. So, so again, it's like what I said at the beginning, you know. Because I'd imagine denial as well. The easy, the easy route for the employer is to be like, nope, that's rubbish. That's absolutely rubbish. Yeah. They're too sensitive. Yes, exactly. So, so you know, again, our helpline advisors would advise that caller on what steps they could take. So have they tried to raise this informally? And if they have, what's happened? If they've tried to raise it informally and nothing's happened, then, then we would signpost them, well, see what your organization's policy is you know what's what's your organization's grievance policy and and you can raise a grievance through that but again we would try and steer the person to try and deal with it informally first because we know that's a a better way to resolve it but unfortunately sometimes people have to take that further action so so again that's what we would do we would steer the caller into what steps they could take raising it with their employer or raising it with their trade union rep if they're in a unionized organization or raising it with, you know, some organisations have staff networks that can pick up things. Um, some organisations have people like me, you know, diversity teams. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, that independent or raising it with HR to have that conversation. 
but again it's not always that easy and I think especially if you're an agency worker again sometimes you feel that you don't have the same employment rights but it's again it's well what does your organization say in regards to to that and what is you know this is not acceptable if what you're saying is correct this is not acceptable you you need to, to you need to raise it to someone so they can look into this and and try and rectify the situation as quickly as possible there's so much fear as well i think not just in necessarily the with the person who it's happening to or is raising mm. the issue but also like i think and i just think of a very close family member that this happened to recently as in like the past few weeks who had dedicated his the last seven years to working tirelessly for a, a company and um worked all through the pandemic even the, when we he wasn't an essential worker so but he was kind of ushered in the back where you know never took a sick day and his manager over the past year or two made his life hell to the point where he's now he handed in his resignation because his mental health took such a nosedive and it was really badly handled and his colleagues had been saying for months you know gosh it's not fair the way you're treated because he was always the one that had to close up and do lates and like the one that would be held out of you know even though he'd been there the longest and was training a lot of people to do the same job he was he was never given a promotion it was it was really really awful behavior and as part mm. of his letter of resignation and he did a lot of charities he raised you know thousands of pounds for the, this company as well um, and as part of his letter of resignation he said you know a, a big factor into why I'm doing this is because of uh, my line manager who just made my, my work environment just really horrible basically mm. and that person's still there and hasn't been held accountable for because he's still friends with you know quite a few people there and and who all saw that happen as well but were obviously too frightened to speak up and say that's not right um mm. has that has that have has acas you know heard that st i'd imagine that that's a common story unfortunately. yeah unfortunately we hear that story a lot yeah uh, and it's, it's really difficult you know a lot of people will choose to leave an organization because it's just easier on them and you know and sometimes it is the best solution for some people especially if it's having that major impact on on someone's mental health but actually that's not the right solution because we actually need to tackle the inappropriate behavior so you know that example you gave your friend did exactly the right thing raised it in their letter of resignation what we'd have liked to have seen in that situation was the employer then doing some form of investigation you know because that letter of resignation is like an exit interview so you've got the evidence there yeah and what the employer should have done is then looked into that complaint he shouldn't have had to then put another complaint in because he's, he's actually made it aware. So in that situation, I would have liked to have thought that the HR department would have contacted them to get more information and then would have done an investigation. But some organisations don't do that because, like I said at the beginning, if, if this manager that's been accused is actually bringing in the money, yeah. it's easy. Yeah. Well, we've got rid of the problem when actually... The person who's left isn't the problem. It's the person who stayed. And and I think it's it's regrettable that organisations don't see that and don't actually see that actually tackling that individual will have a better impact long term because actually you'll retain yeah, great staff people. retention. Exactly. You know, yeah. Yes, yeah. you might have lost one person now, but actually in the long term you could lose a lot of people. Again, we know how costly it is to recruit someone, how costly it is to recruit train them up to get them to that level so it makes good business sense that you should be tackling inappropriate behaviors in your organization no matter how difficult or how uncomfortable it may be and again you know sometimes that person may not be aware of how they're behaving and again we see this in a lot of new companies and and, and growing companies where they will grow really quickly uh, but what they fail to do is they train their managers appropriately on how to, to manage their people in a fair way. They don't have clear job design. And again, we, we know from research now that poor job design, so people not being aware of what the ask is for them to be doing at work, can also result in harassment and bullying. 
because either the manager's not clear on what they should be doing. So then they're asking 99 things when the individual's like, but I wasn't clear that that's what I should have done. So mm. again, our advice in ACAS is organisations should really, you know, good employment relations are really key when we're looking at trying to eradicate um, harassment and bullying. So it's making sure your managers are trained, making sure more generally you've got this positive workplace environment uh, and also understanding the stresses that your managers may be going through because your organisation's growing or, uh, you know, and also reinstate the importance of healthy, fair relationships throughout your organisation to lessen the risk of, of your people feeling that they're being overloaded in mm. their role. Mm. Um, and also, you know, don't forget about the stresses faced by your staff. Again, those who are overloaded in their role are more likely to experience negative emotions and subsequently display aggression and bullying. And again, that's why we say good organisations need to prioritise designing jobs in a way that ensure that staff are clear about what actions to take to fulfil their role and also that the demands of their job are not so great that they can't meet those expectations. Bullying can take many, many forms. We mentioned earlier, well, at the start of the episode, it can be subtle mm. or it can be more blatant and obvious. It's, bullying doesn't have to occur a certain number of times to be classifying as such. Any instance of behaviour that is tended to hurt, threaten, intimidate, force, or co coerce is bullying. I think intimidation is quite big. I mean, I've definitely experienced that numerous times in my career in different guises. This intimidation seems to be, I think, a way of controlling your staff. Would you agree? Definitely. And I think, I think again, it's, it's bad management, isn't it? Yeah. You know, there are there's good managers out there, but there's a lot of bad managers. Because again, they've not been trained, have they? Or they've seen that poor behaviour from their managers and seen their managers are getting results. So they think that's how you um, manage. That, that's what good looks like. So, so I think, you know, in, in terms of understanding how bullying and harassment manifests itself in the workplace, you know, like I said earlier on, there's no legal definition for bullying but it can be described as this, you know, unwanted behaviour. Is it illegal? So it's if we look at health and safety legislation, you know, employers have a duty of care to create this environment where people can, you know, don't feel they're intimidated. But when we look at employment law, it's more around harassment and the protected characteristics. But again, you know, although there's no legal definition it is described as you know offensive intimidating uh, malicious or insulting behavior that creates that harm to someone be that physical or emotional bullying also might be a regular pattern or could be a one-off incident mm. but for most people it's like a dripping tap so yeah. they'll put up with so much before they realize although it's not classed as harassment um, there could still be other legal issues. For example, it could contribute towards constructive dismissal. So I think, you know, the example you gave earlier on about your friend, you know, they've been forced to resign because they think they, um, their employer has seriously breached their employment contract, then being bullied or discriminated or refusing to look into a grievance can be one of those categories for you to take a claim of constructive dismissal but constructive dismissal claims are really difficult and again most of them will come through ACAS and we will try and mediate and come to some resolution between the employer and the employee uh, and we will look at trying to get a settlement uh, agreement which is a way where both parties agree. Now obviously second, settlement agreements can be quite controversial and, and again at ACAS we would not sign any settlement agreement where there is a clear breach of legislation so for example we would not uh, sign up to a settlement uh, agreement if there's been a clear issue of sexual harassment for example because that's a breach of the equality act or if there's been a criminal offense uh, done so again we saw in the past didn't we 
firms would do settlement agreements to get women out of organisations when clearly there's been something illegal happening. The only other difference between harassment and bullying is the time scales. So if you're not claiming harassment under a protected characteristic, because that's a day one right, so if it's to do with bullying, to have a constructive dismissal claim, you've got to be an employee, so have that employment status, and you've got to have worked for your employer for two years. And then if you've ticked both of those boxes, you have to make a claim within three months, less one day of the date your employment ended. And in almost all circumstances, your employment ends either on the last day of your notice period or the day you resigned if you did not give your employer that notice, because some people will just leave, you know. So, uh, so there are guidelines around constructive dismissal, but that's if it's bullying. But if it's harassment, it then falls within the Equality Act and you, it, you have that right from day one. But again, you still have to make that claim within three months, less than one day of the date when your employment ended. Okay. And that's where people aren't always clear. The impact that behaviour has on someone, we know the impact that has on them from a mental health point of view. They may not feel like they can pursue that straight away. So then they run out of time. And, and that's what's really difficult sometimes for people. You know, it, it, you've got to get that claim in within three months, less than one day for, for you then to be able to take any legal action against your employer. You talked about the dripping tap. I sent you this list in advance and you've probably seen it lots of times already. And I just kind of want to rattle through the list and then get your kind of thoughts. So types and signs to look out for in the workplace uh, in terms of bullying, withholding information relevant to a person's employment or role, humiliation and ridicule, tasking a person with work that is below their level of competence, removing responsibility from a person who has earned it, spreading gossip or rumours, ignoring or excluding a worker, making personal insults, shouting at or otherwise berating a person, intimidating behaviour, discrimination, providing hints or signals that a person should resign or abandon their job, reminding a worker constantly of errors or mistakes they have previously made, persistently criticising an employee, ignoring a worker's hostile behaviour towards a worker, ignoring a worker's opinion, playing practical jokes or pranks, imposing unreasonable deadlines, excessively monitoring an employee's work, putting pressure on an employee not to claim entitlements such as annual leave, personal leave or carer's leave, teasing an employee, imposing unreasonable workloads, making threats of violence or engaging in actual abuse. I think that one, you know, people would mm. certainly step in. But a lot of the others, it is that subtle... I mean, when I went through that list, I was like... It takes me back to positions I've had where I hated my job and I couldn't put my finger yeah. on why. And now I'm yeah. looking at that and going, because of the toxic work environment, because yeah. this is all falls under the banner of bullying. But it's also like like you mentioned, is it in my head? Um, yeah. What What do you have to say about that list, Julie? I think I think that's a really thorough list, and it's mm. yeah, everything on that list could be seen as bullying. Yeah. And this is where the grey area comes in. So managers in organisations sometimes have to manage people who aren't performing to their best and so may need to put mechanisms in place to ensure. But it's how you do that. You need to put, be clear with that individual. Talk about why you think that person's not performing. And the other thing that we, we always advise is that and that conversation should be try and get underneath why, because there could be anything happening in that person's life as to why they're not performing you know it could be to do with health could be to do with family issues anything and again mental health is one of those things so mm. it's a big difference from doing that to where you have someone who is constantly criticizing but not giving the evidence you know and again I've talked to friends people know when you work at ACAS you end up getting people oh I've got this situation and again when I advise friends I'll say well you know 
have you asked your manager, well, what does good look like? What are the expectations? Again, it comes back to that clear job design, clear job accountability, because then you can have that conversation. But, you know, unfortunately in work, not everybody likes everybody. And sometimes people will take offence or take an unlikeness to someone because of something you can't do anything about. Uh, and then they will use that to intimidate you. In my experience, a lot of bullies that I've come across have bullied that individual because they feel threatened by them. Yeah. They know that actually you are really good yeah. and you're going to make yeah. them look like they're not as good as doing their job. So yeah. what do they do? They, they make you feel worse about yourself. We talk about workplace bullying. And to me, workplace bullying is no different to the bullying we used to face at school. It's just a bit more sophisticated. Mm. You know, bullies would always target the intelligent yeah. children, the pretty children, you know, yeah. it, 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 all of that. It's no different in the workplace. Somebody will take a dislike to you because either you look better than them or you perform better than them. Or, you know, you, you even have people that will pick out on people because, they remind them of somebody else. Well, that's not that individual's fault. And it's about us all taking a step back, whether we're working alongside somebody or managing somebody or, or reporting to someone to think about, when I've said this, have I thought about the impact it might have? And sometimes we do have to have difficult conversations in the workplace. But again, good managers, good people will check in and say, Look, I know we've had to have a difficult conversation, but are you okay? How do you... And again, they're genuine people that are trying to bring the best out of people. But yeah, unfortunately, there are people who aren't like that. There are people who just may be under pressure themselves, so they will uh, pass the workload onto their team, or they feel threatened, so they'll spread malicious rumours, or they'll constantly put people down. I mean... Yeah, that happened to me before I joined my possible self at the, the big global company I was working for. This, this person that had been in the company years definitely felt threatened, made up things, and it, it sort of backfired because my manager did get involved and said i see where this is coming from we can see your your results and he's obviously feeling threatened and insecure however he was never pulled up on it she said it's not the first you're not the first person this has happened to and yet he's still there yeah that is quite cool i mean and i think everybody listening to this podcast will be listening to it because they've experienced bullying in some form yeah you know i've experienced it you know i I've been talking about preventing bullying harassment for over 20 years, but that's not made me immune. And, you know, I can remember quite a few years ago when I was being bullied and it was absolutely, you know, no matter how much I tell other people, this is what you need to do. It's really, really difficult when you're in that situation. And you're quite right, Gabby, you can speak out and, and talk to someone about it. And, and I got a very similar reply. Well, this person's like that with everybody. That doesn't mean it's okay. You need to you need to deal with that person. Yeah. You know? I actually um, felt like that my manager was intimidated by this person as well because he had such an aggressive side to him. Well, that's normally the case. That's normally the case. And again, and again, I can remember, you know, I started my career in the fire service. And again, a really stressful environment. And an environment where banter happens. Now, there's good banter and there's bad banter. You know, and, and with firefighters, they do go to really stressful situations and sometimes they need to get back on the station and they need to decompress and they will have a laugh and a joke. And there's a big difference to laughing about a situation to laughing about an individual or constantly having a go at someone. And, and I can remember many years ago having to pull up uh, a firefighter about their behaviour because of how they've been behaving and what they've been saying. And I can remember that individual's station manager coming to see me and saying, what do you think you're doing? They're a good firefighter. And I'm like, I don't care how good a firefighter they are, how their behaviour is, how they're displaying that in the work is not acceptable and actually is intimidating to other people in, in their watch. So, and I did think afterwards, well, yeah, he's probably the same with that manager and that's why he's like, oh, you know, don't rock the boat. So I think a lot of managers will, when you get that, that real bully in the workplace, you'll not be the only one that they're targeting. 
and it's learned behavior isn't it mm. because they've got away with it in the past and nobody's challenged them mm. they'll continue to do it exactly like when we was at school you know everybody knew who the school bully was yeah and what we were told stay out of the way instead of actually we need to tackle their behavior and it is a lot easier i think for people to just put in other mechanisms in place survival instincts or whatever to not tackle the problem and that doesn't resolve it in the workplace you know you've got to because again some people may not realize that their behavior is having that impact and you can work with people and i've seen some really horrible people in the workplace turn around and actually become really great people because they work on themselves they realize how they may come across they really put the work in and actually turn out to be really good people at the end of the day some people you just can't do anything with. but mm. you know i do truly believe that you can work with people i truly believe that we don't wake up in the morning and think whose life am i going to make a misery at work today yeah yeah it's projection yeah. isn't it i think and again yeah. i thought something the man my manager said oh he's going through a bit of a tough time at the moment so it's like well aren't we all <laughs> it's yeah, a exactly. pandemic and, yeah and what about like fellow colleagues and again given the example of of the family member and the colleagues that said look this isn't on and it was numerous ones that had, had come to him and said that's not cool do you link arms when you see something like that do you you know do you support the person in terms of because again going back to this fear fear am I going to lose my job fear am I going to mm. yeah I think there's still that kind of mentality where I can't afford to to lose this job therefore I'm going to keep quiet on things that I know are wrong so it do we have to just be brave in that instance and speak up and be like look I see this happening and it's not right so there's different ways you can do that. So first of all, and what comes to mind straight away with what you're talking about, Gabby, is bystanders. Again, we know at ACAS, bystanders can play a really pivotal role in tackling bullying harassment. So again, if you are in a work situation, say you're in a meeting and you've witnessed a colleague being spoken to or being you know, put down in a meeting and you witness that, as a bystander, there's two ways you can deal with it so one you probably might do not do the first one is actually call that bad behavior there and then out in the meeting um so a good example of that and where i've seen this done really really good is and again it's a gender one we get some managers that ignore women in meetings so as a woman you'll come up with an idea and it's a really good idea and the person who's chairing the meeting completely ignores her and then somebody else does exactly the same it's normally a man mm. or someone more senior will say well I think we should do that and then the chair will go well yes I think it's a really good idea now a good bystander would actually interject there and say actually so and so's already said that she's already made that that's a good bystander because you're empowering so there's that one about calling that bad behavior out at that instance or if you have someone in a meeting who makes a sexist or a racist or whatever comment a good bystander would be actually that's quite offensive you shouldn't be saying stuff like that you know rather than the individual having to speak out it's far more powerful when peers do it the other way that you might want to handle it as a bystander is after that meeting's happened go and talk to the individual and say look I saw what happened it wasn't acceptable would you like me to say something or would you like me to come with you to mm -hmm. say something mm -hmm. or you might take that individual who said it to one side and and again it depends what your relationship is with that person so again where I've seen really good bystanders is something inappropriate happened in the meeting they've not said anything there and then because it might have made them it worse but they've waited to the end of the meeting took that person to one side and said actually you were out of order when you said that to that person you need to go and apologize because again bullies thrive on everybody going along with it don't they whereas if you turn around and go well, that's not funny mm. i've seen i saw a fantastic example of that when i worked in the fire service i can remember going to a fire station and being blatantly ignored by a firefighter because i didn't wear a uniform so i wasn't important and thankfully for me the senior officer i was with saw it 
Um, when we got down the corridor into the room we were meeting, straight away when we shut the door, he says, I saw what happened, would you like me to say something? Because I can go back out now and say something, or we can go out together and pull this person up. Now, to me, that was a fantastic manager, because one, he'd witnessed it, he'd checked the situation, he decided not to say something there and then, because it could have escalated, and actually, that's what he did. He, he, we actually went back out, we pulled this firefighter to one side, and he actually said, look, I saw what happened, and that's not acceptable, and you need to apologise now to Julie before we carry on, because we're going to be going in the meeting. That's a good manager. Mm. You know, that's a good bystander. Yeah. Bystanders can play a really good role in calling out that bad behaviour. They can also help if that individual wants to take that formally, they can be witnesses. So they can say, well, actually, I saw this happen as well, or I've seen the impact it's had. And again, that works in the workplace. It gets a bit more complicated where you get people from outside the workplace, you know. So again, I've had situations where someone's wife's turned up and said, this is happening. And that's that gets a bit more complicated. But again, it's about supporting and about, I think, if it's a friend of yours, having that conversation to say, well, you know, what policies have, have we got in place? Have you uh, looked at that? Or even as simple as, have you been and looked on the ACAS website? And there's a wealth of information on our website, which is www.acas.org.uk. One good thing you could do, anyone listening to this podcast that may know someone who's going through this, signpost them to us. Mental health in the workplace in terms yes. of I'm a person struggling with my mental health, but I'm frightened to, to bring it up because, you know, I actually need some time off work. I know you've got personal experience with this in terms of like advice on navigation, communication, because actually if you're suffering from anxiety or depression, um, which are the two major ones when it comes to like burnout is another one in terms of actually being able to communicate that with your boss because actually they are probably the the reason why or a, a big factor as to why maybe they're not maybe it's a, a home thing but I think mm. that like it's more difficult to bring it up when your mental health is it's taken a nosedive because of what's going on at work what advice would you give to anybody in terms of language to use because I think I still think that can be brushed under the carpet or it can be like, well, no, you can't have time off for anxiety. Everybody's anxious, you know. So the first advice we give from, from ACAS is that organisations should be creating this environment where people can speak openly about mental health and when they've got poor mental health. And again, on our website, we've got lots of tools. We've actually got a mental health framework that organisations can use and we can come in and work with organisations with that. For the individual that is uh, going through a period of poor mental health, then yes, the first thing is being able to talk in confidence to their line manager and that can be really difficult. Uh, in my personal experience, I've been, been really lucky, I've had really good managers, I've been able to speak to them. But I think I've also recognised that if I don't speak out, it's not going to, you know, I'm not going to get any better. So I need to have that support. So it's, again, being able to speak to your line manager. But if you can't speak to your line manager, speak to HR or if your organisation has got a mental health first aider and, and talk through what are the things that you can put in place. Because, again, mental health is covered by the disability uh, element within the Equality Act. Uh, and as part of that, employers have a duty to put in place workplace adjustments so it might be about that employer putting in some adjustments in place so for mm. example when my mental health was poor you know my manager was fantastic and we looked at my workload and there were certain things that I agreed needed to be freed up for me you know it wasn't right we're going to take this off you we had a conversation about it and also as part of a workplace adjustment I went through CBT treatment so I was very lucky that ACAS gave me that time off to go and have that treatment because they knew that yes I needed every other Wednesday off for two months but the long term that would then mean that I would be able to work carry on working and you know three years later I'm still at ACAS absolutely feel that they're a fantastic employer because of that that they put in place they, they just gave me that extra time and space mm -hmm. to get myself 
onto a better level and my mental health is good now. I think that's a really good point as well about looking at workload and roles because I think yes. that probably more often than not, yeah, well, if you've got a, if you've been signed off by the doctor, I don't think there's very much that an employer can do. They have to accept you might get a week or two off, but then they yes. expect things to go back to normal, like if you've exactly. got the measles or something, whereas actually yeah. that's not getting to the root of the problem. So that's probably something that it's our responsibility as the employee that we actually need to mention as well, which again is so hard when you're feeling yeah. so vulnerable. And it, and it is. It is really, really hard, Gabby, but it is about, you know, those good organisations will, when you've been off a, for a period of absence, is they will have that return to work meeting and then talk about, right, what can we do? Because again, I see a lot of people will come back and then go straight into it. And again, that happened to me years before when I had my first bout of anxiety, I went back to work and it was like all systems go and I ended up going off again uh, three weeks later. Yeah. So I know how to do that now. And like I say, I was really lucky. Even though I had a brand new manager, I felt safe to have that conversation. But the only reason I felt safe is because ACAS has created this environment where we can openly talk about uh, mental health and well-being in the workplace. So for employers, that's the first step. You need to create this environment. You can't expect people to speak up if you're not enabling them to do that. Because again, you know, when you're going through poor mental health, even when I was really poorly, even though I knew my safe job was safe, I was frightened to death that I was going to lose my job. And I can remember talking to a colleague and he says, What's that? And I went, I'm worried I'm going to lose my job. And he went, It's not going to happen. But it doesn't matter how many times people tell you that, when your mental health is poor, mm -hmm. you're not rational, are you? Mm -hmm. No. Julie, we've got to wrap things up. Thank you for your think, time. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. I think the key thing is letting people know there is that support out there. There is that help. And, you know, no matter how isolated that situation may feel, there will always be somebody that you can speak to and there's always someone you can reach out to and hopefully get that situation resolved. Hello, Gabby back with you. Thanks for making it through to the end of our episode on bullying in the workplace. Whatever your working environment, if you are struggling, it is so important to speak out and I hope that you found this episode helpful if not for you then maybe for somebody you know and big thanks again to Julie Dennis from ACAS for taking time out of her day to share some really useful advice and that concludes another episode of the My Possible Self podcast we shall return with uh, our final episode to conclude the trilogy on bullying youth bullying next week it's a guest panel so make sure you look out for that one we're at my possible self on instagram and twitter if you're not already following us and i've been at radio gabby until the next one do take care and bye for now